0: And good morning Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios on this rainy, beautiful Wednesday morning. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 10:30 KVOI, the Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Full show ahead today. And it's a, it's a open phone line show. We want to hear from you 520-790-2040. I was just telling my guests that this thing we do every morning called Live Local Radio, there's nothing like it because we talk about real issues with real people in real time. And that includes you 520-790-2040. Uh, give us a call. We're going to talk here in just a second uh, about trauma after COVID and uh, on the other side of of schools uh, being shut down or limited, uh, the change in lifestyle, the the societal shifts that we've seen over the last uh, year and a half to two years. Uh, What have been the mental health and trauma uh, implications of that specifically uh, for our kids? We talked about it generally last week. We're gonna talk about uh, human trafficking uh, in our community uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. But today we're gonna talk about your kids my kids, our kids, your kids. Uh, with a couple special guests. They are our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton, Pastor of Hope City Church, and uh, a fellow pastor, Dr. DeMond Holt, who specializes in trauma and uh, mental health and mental uh, illness. We'll also talk with Ruben Navarrete. He's the most widely-read Latino columnist in the country. We're going to get his view on some national themes and some national topics. But that's the show today, 520-790-2040. first, Pastor Jeff, Always good to be with you. Thanks for bringing this conversation together and uh, pulling a pastor Damon Mon Holt in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. I'm excited to hear uh, more from Dr. Holt today and uh, specifically on trauma and how it's impacting uh, future generations. Absolutely. Uh, so again, we kind of we set the table last week, but real quick, uh, Dr. Holt, can you uh, briefly revisit uh, what trauma is and specifically complex trauma? Um, as it pertains to the circumstances our children are facing today as they emerge from the lockdown of 2020, 2021 and are navigating that re-entry into school in person. What's going on with our kids on the other side here?
1: Um, uh, Once again, uh, thank you for having me. Um, It's truly a pleasure uh, to be here. And um, you asked a very important question in regards to how do we define psychological trauma? And so number one, trauma is a psychological, emotional wound to the brain. And this is when life-devastating or life-threatening things happens to the individual, um, that it creates these uh, scars to the brain. Secondly, uh, trauma is a dysregulated stress that is so overwhelming that it's difficult for people to cope um, with their lives, with uh, being in environments where there's a lot of chronic stress and uh, a lot of traumatic experiences.
0: The uh, tell us what kind of developmental stages, uh, mentally and physically are being short circuited right now in the lives of uh, our children um, going on right now through the pandemic.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, it's very important. Um, so um, as a traumatologist, I'm recalled upon from uh, school districts all over our nation, um, including locally here um, with Tucson Unified as well. And the big question is what is going on with our kids? Why do we have behaviors uh, all over the place and why have academics have plummeted and I would say from my lens, from a science lens, we really have a brain injury problem and so um, with our culture of dealing with standardized testing and things of that nature, it takes cognition and executive functioning to be able for kids to be able to function and to stay self-regulated. So what trauma does is um, it, it takes the cognitive... Capacities from the frontal lobe, where that retaining information, (coughs) where you learn, um, and all of those different things. And it puts the brain into a survival mode where the limbic system, the lower part of the brain, puts children into survival modes that that puts them in a state of flight or flight. And when they are in the fight or flight or freeze mechanism, Um, they have a difficult time regulating their behavior and they have a difficult time learning algebra okay and so Mm -hmm. traumas can be like acute trauma. Acute trauma is a one-time trauma that has long-term consequences or impacts or ramifications or two, chronic trauma which is more of a long-term, long period of time trauma like poverty or abuse or as you had alluded to Complex trauma is a com- is a trauma where one individual are experiencing a plethora of traumas mm. at the same time, and then it can be generational trauma. What my grandmother went through, my mother went through, and the daughter is going through, and no one is reversing the vicious cycle of those traumas. So. This is what our kids are going through pre-COVID. Then when COVID came, COVID did nothing but really exacerbate existing pre-pre preconditions um, in regards to trauma. And so we began to see increases of anxiety, increases of depression. We began to see more kids uh, commit suicide or have thoughts of suicide. Um, we also saw um, between 18 to 24 year old uh, young adults were suffering from um, an increase of substance abuse to to self medicate to help them cope with the traumas that they're going through. Uh, I uh,
0: th- there's a there's a few things that I think we've heard and that we've seen yeah. for young kids, and I want I want to ask this question in a depoliticized way. I want to ask Pastor merely uh, about the causes and effects. We're with uh, Pastor. Uh, Demand hold uh, a, a Ph.D. in this field of trauma. Pastor here locally of Pilgrim Rest Missionary Baptist Church. You know, I think about the fact that that schools being open uh, provide more than an education for better or for worse. Yeah. They provide uh, social interaction. They provide uh, mental health and 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 all general health. They provide food. They provide a lot of resources, and especially in our public education today, that left when kids were at home. When kids were at home, they were around abusive situations that they were away from for the majority of the day and the majority of the year. I think we're still sorting through, and again, I wanna depoliticize this for this morning, Pastor Holt. Uh, Masks on children, regardless of the health uh, benefits, uh, do kids being masked uh, for two years have an impact on social interaction? Uh, Are these some of the factors you're seeing, hearing, and believe, Uh, are factors in these uh, mental health and traumatic experiences that kids are facing today.
1: Uh, yeah, you make a great point. Um, you know, regardless of political uh, affiliations, um, that's not my job. My job is to look at the science. Yeah. Um, and I let science drive the narrative and, and look at data. And so I did a focus group and a survey um, with a local high school here in Tucson. Um, and I did a survey on ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, mm. and 12th graders and all of them had a lot of the same concerns. Number one, uh, they are, yes, they are physically in classrooms, but they all told me mentally and emotionally they're not in classrooms. Um, And the reasons why is because of the fact that they, you know, they've been, They've learned how to be social active all of their lives and then two years later, they have to, within a two-year space, they have to have social distancing um, and physical distancing, and that all had a, a direct impact mentally and emotionally on kids, and then we just put them back in the classroom and integrated them mm. um, as if nothing has happened, and mentally emotionally the brain just doesn't... Mm. Work exactly like that. There has to be uh, a process of integration. There's a process of allowing kids to feel um, safe. And a lot of kids had talked about um, their homes are still suffering from the the ramifications of of COVID. Not no one has been infected, but mm-hmm. you know, mom's still not sure if she can find a job. Income poverty homelessness moratoriums have ended. Uh, so you see mobility and homelessness. This still keeps kids' brains on high alert. Mm. And even though they may be in classroom, that doesn't mean that their brain is, is, is prepared to retain a lot of the information cognitively.
0: Last question, uh, Dr. Holt, and we'll go to our break and then come back and talk kind of some solutions and and how do we, how do we see that this is happening in our community? Implications of this on our society. as we move forward, certainly from the last two years? Um, So
1: there's so much to be done, and I think that we don't realize is that uh, trauma impacts the brain. Not only impacts the brain, it rewires the brain. So when people's brains are rewired, they are not the same. Uh, and, And it's hard on kids because... We're seeing trauma early, earlier, mm-hmm. and earlier ages at key times where brain development is crucial. And it impacts neural, uh, developmental uh, issues and sometimes create uh, neurodevelopmental disorders where we see reading delays, we see issues with not being able to retain information, um, learning disorders, all of those things. And we have to integrate Uh, healing in classrooms and that and one of the big key things of what we do is what we see is that when love is in the classrooms, um, when kids feel love and they feel that they are uh, in a safe space, it it uh, rewires the brain again to start being able to learn and start being able to have more healthier outcomes.
0: So without some interventions, which is where we're going to go in the second segment, uh, the last two years have in your scientific assessment stunted uh, learning development, social development, human development. for this generation of kids, potentially for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, a long time to come. Um, It it is very serious, but I think now where we are at, it's no longer just trauma looking at kids. It's the whole school community. Teachers are traumatized. Social workers are experiencing compassion fatigue and burnout. So we have to figure out ways to create a culture of of, uh, psychological, neurological healing so that we can have kids be able to learn.
0: That's where we're going after a short break. Here, our first break of the hour, last break of this conversation. Uh, Dr. Holt is with us, a local pastor as well in town, but a specialist in trauma, helping us figure out uh, what happened to our kids over the last couple of years through uh, the COVID pandemic, and what do we do going forward? We'll be right back on Tipping Point, ten thirty. The Voice.
2: CBS News at the top and bottom of every hour. 1030 The Voice.
0: Trusted local news and talk. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com.
2: time with Devon and her team.
0: Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com.
3: Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
4: Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030. KVOI, The Voice.
0: And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here out of the Common Workspace Studios We're with Pastor Damond Holt here really with two hats on. One is Pastor Pilgrim Rest. Missionary Baptist Church, but really in the seat as Dr. Demond Holt, a specialist uh, in trauma. And we are using a few weeks uh, to talk with Pastor Demond with Dr. Holt uh, about uh, the trauma our kids are facing, our community is facing coming out of the last couple of years, uh, trying to depoliticize that for uh, our conversation, but to look at what has happened as kids have been out of school and kids have been distanced and kids have been masked. What does that mean for our community? Uh, whether or not you agree with the practice or not, what does it mean? What are the implications going forward? We're talking about our kids today. Human trafficking next week. Doctor Holt, uh, you mentioned uh, the implications that this could have on society going forward. Uh, what is our way back to reduce learning loss, social development loss, uh, uh, human growth loss?
1: Um, the key to the key to it of is is that we have to create um, neurological and psychological healing. Um, because again like I say the school systems always see it as we have an academic issue and we have uh, a learning issue and we have uh, a behavior issue and all of that goes back to brain. It takes a brain to learn, it takes a brain to behave, it takes a brain to learn algebra, learn uh, language arts, but if kids and they haven't eaten in three days and the only food they're getting is from the cafeteria you're going to have an issue and if kids are being abused in homes and they come to school and they don't have places where that they can uh, address those traumas you're going to have academic issues and so uh, one of the main things we saw that was more powerful than psych- psychotropic medications and anti-depressing medications was love. And I am a big believer that what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Tina Turner said, what's love have to do with it? <laughs> I was going to
0: say, doctor, yeah. there's a song in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What's love got to do with it? And love has Our kids everything. are our future
0: too, yeah. by the way. That's exactly That's right.
1: right. <laughs> uh so Uh, Love is the key, and what we've seen as practitioners, as psychiatrists and and psychologists and pediatricians is that uh, when kids have a space of love, um, the brain just put, begins to be rewired back for healing, rewired back for connection. So number one is relationships, relationships, relationships. I always educate or uh, teach and train educators and teachers before you teach curriculum, first build connection. Um, because it doesn't matter how much of a mathematician you are and it doesn't matter how great your pedagogy is, if you don't have relationships, um, you're going to have a difficult time helping kids be able to learn. One of the big things I say is it's hard to teach kids if you can't reach kids. You first Reach kids, then you teach kids. You first build connection, then you teach uh, curriculum. Number two, um, I always call it the R factors of healing. One, relationships. Number two, regulation. It's hard for you to, it's hard for educators to teach to dysregulated kids. We have to get the brain to relax and get into a place where it doesn't feel a threat and it doesn't feel a reason to be on high alert. And so regulation is key because that helps regulate moods, and moods help regulate behaviors. So a lot of times in school systems, we put the cart before the horse. We try to go direct to fix behaviors, but we don't deal with the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I look at trauma is trauma is has been a bacteria or a virus in our education system. And for 30, 40 years, we've been giving it a ibuprofen instead of the antibiotics. If you properly treat the bacteria, the symptoms, which is bad academics, uh, uh, dysregulated behaviors began to improve. So regulation, um, what that looks like for regulation is: if you have a dysregulated student, d- do they really need to go to the dean of students to be suspended? Do they really need to get expelled? Do we really need to call the SRO, which is the campus police, and have them arrested and put them in the to the in juvenile detention center? Right. So we need to make sure that we're helping kids get regulated, um, and that can be take them to a space where they can calm down. Uh, We know mindful meditation has been very, very effective and successful on dysregulated students and uh, and adults. And then the next thing we want to look at Um, Is creating restorative a pathway that if they made bad choices that instead of us being so punitive in our school discipline But we're more restorative on helping kids uh, get back into Building those relationships. So those some of the things that have been very very effective in regards to creating a, a pathway back to healing
0: as We as we start to close here. Dr. Holt. What are some signs real quick um you know if there's a family member listening and they might you know my my grandson my nephew you know, um, I think has been severely impacted by this shift the last yeah. couple of years. What are yeah. some, real quick, what are some signs that <laughs> our children, our lives are experiencing severe trauma?
1: Oh my, okay, so. Uh, give me give me one or two. <laughs> uh, one is the failure to build attachments because when the amygdala has been impacted and your thalamus in your brain has been impacted, um, individuals have a, a hard time building attachments, which is relationships. People that have been in a lot of, been exposed to a lot of trauma, it's hard for them to trust. They have trust issues. They dissociate, they get numb, and they detach. So that's one of the things that you can see. Uh, uh, I would say number two, another big one is uh, impacts on uh, cognitive uh, capacities, you know, looking like they can't learn. And I think that practitioners rush to diagnose kids too quick, and it's easy to misdiagnose kids with a learning disorder. And trauma can look like a learning disorder. Mm -hmm. Trauma can look like ADHD. Trauma can look like um, um, hyperactive activity because they can't focus. So I will always say, look at some of those things, peel the layers of the onion, and go back to finding the trauma, okay? And I would probably say, finally, mental illness as well. Depression is a, could be a big sign of some traumatic experience, why they can't uh, regulate their serotonin levels, mm-hmm. things of that nature.
0: Dr. Holt, before we go to Pastor Jeff Loxton to close us out, we had people reaching out to you literally within five minutes of yes. you being on the show last week. Where can yeah. people reach you about uh, this? Yes,
1: yeah, so they can uh, go to my website, the Trauma Center of Hope. I'm the founder of the Trauma Center of Hope. Go to the website, check us out um, if you need to... Uh, want to give me a call, you can give me a call at area code 520-595-8885, okay? And my uh, email is, my first and last name is demond at demonholt.com. Demand at demonholt.com
0: Dr. Holt, Pastor Holt, all the things. Thank you so much <laughs> for being with us. We got one more week with yes. you to explore how this is impacting our community. Pastor Jeff Loxton, uh, can the church be a part of helping families through this kind of recovery process. hundred percent. I think uh, Dr. Damon Holt nailed uh, the the concept with the need for relationships and love. And uh, there's no better place than the local church when the church is functioning optimally. Pastor Jeff, uh, pastor of Hope City Church, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find us at HopeCityChurchTucson.com. I love it. Pastor Jeff, again, uh, you're our faith and culture contributor. We're probably going on, what now, a couple years doing this together. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been great. And uh, we're trying to find those intersections where faith and culture meet, where we are understanding challenges in our community. We're working and talking with people who are helping to partner on uh, fixing those things, and how uh, the church as an institution is a part of that collaboration. And uh, we've talked. Uh, we've talked uh, adoption and foster care we've talked refugee, we're talking trauma and kids and schools and we're going to keep doing it uh, we'll do it next week we got you on next week uh, Dr. I mean, Holt I mean, looking, forward looking forward to it looking forward to it. and thank thank you, until then Dr. you guys stay safe and healthy God bless. thanks so much when we come back a few thoughts from me and then the uh, country's most red syndicated Latino columnist Ruben Navarrete will be on talk about national issues from his perch. we'll be back on in just a minute 10.30 The Voice
3: If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
2: In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
4: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona here out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. It airs every Monday to Friday, 9 to 10 A.M. We talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, and we just said goodbye to our friends Pastor Jeff Logson uh, and Dr. Damon Holt. Both pastors in this community. Dr. Holt also has a PhD focused on trauma uh, and how, how life situations uh, impact the brain. Uh, which Im- impacts engagement in society and what to do about it. Really interesting conversation. Today was two part two out of three parts. Third part will be next week with us uh, here on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, Pastor Jeff and I, uh, again, are looking at intersections of faith and community and culture in the church. Uh, and uh, without any kind of an agenda, this was an issue that came up. And I got to tell you, uh, our listeners, you listening, um, have really uh, been reaching out to Dr. Hull and have been communicating. We know this is on your mind, and that is uh, what happened to our kids over the last, uh, over the last two years. Uh, and, uh, and this hasn't been uh, a topic that I've talked about a lot. Uh, there's no agenda Uh, for me on this topic. Uh, I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm not ideological uh, about it. Maybe some of you wish um, that I was. This is not something I've been talking about or talking against in any way. Um, I merely listen to what I'm hearing and I try to piece together the story um, as I'm hearing it. And uh, if you missed the interview with Dr. DeMonhold, go back and uh, and check it out. Someone who's very involved with TUSD schools, uh, very involved uh, with social justice and public safety in the community. He doesn't have an agenda either, I gotta tell you. He merely looks at the science and the data. And before we go and visit with Ruben Navarrete for a bit of a longer fourth segment here, last segment of this hour, we'll talk some national issues. Here is what uh, I think we are going to be looking back on in the next two years, about the last two years. Um, and, and that is, I think we are going to look back and say, look, there were some things we thought we had to do in the moment that were really bad decisions. And I think we're going to look back and say that shutting down schools uh, was a bad decision. Uh, that masking children um, was a decision at the minimum with negative consequences. And again, I want you to hear this, and I want anyone to hear this who listens to this podcast in the background. These are not political conversations for me. These are science and data conversations. And as I listen unbiasedly to Dr. Holt tell me what he told me today, and, and and last week, I think we're gonna look back in two years and we're gonna have the science and data to say that these last two years had horrific impacts on learning and social development, that our kids uh, are going to have a heck of a lot of work to do and their community, their village is gonna to have to have put in a heck of a lot of work to repair the learning loss, the mental rewiring, the social discomfort, the social disengagement I think we're gonna look back and go, man. Maybe we shouldn't have done what we did in the schools. Uh, maybe we uh, didn't need to have masks on our kids uh, when the science and data said that we didn't have to. And, and, and I'm getting, I'm getting the willies as I'm <laughs> talking about this on the air because I know how it sounds. Uh, and. and, and I really try to figure out how to communicate these topics because there are trigger words and trigger thoughts that make people say, oh, he's a liberal democrat, oh, he's a conservative republican. Uh, Every word around this topic has been politicized and and I just want you to believe me uh, when you hear me say that I'm not coming at this with an agenda. I'm not coming at this team blue or team red. I'm really looking at the data and looking at what Dr. Holt is saying. And my prediction is we're gonna look back and we're gonna look back at a generation with massive learning loss and sociological impacts. And I think we're gonna look back in hindsight at the very least and say, we made some decisions around our kids during this pandemic, uh, where the ROI, the return on those decisions, um, uh, the negatives of that, Outweigh the decision in the first place and it's it's quite scary to me it's scary to me because i think our assumption is that kids are flexible and malleable and adaptable and that you can just kind of plug them in and plug and play them in different scenarios and they're going to be able to manage that because they're third fourth fifth grade that's not what i heard from dr holt today I heard from Dr. Holt today that the brain rewires itself after being, uh, after having uh, shifts in education for two years, and how they engage in class. Those mental rewirings aren't just going to unwire themselves uh, in a short period of time. And and I remember, you know, a lot of good people, good teachers. Uh, I think one even on this show got upset when I said um, there is significant learning loss by the data. Uh, out of that first year of COVID, loss in reading and math was extraordinary across the country, and it was worse in communities of color. Well, no, it's not learning loss. Kids were still learning. We're using the wrong language, and I gotta tell you, I'm starting to fear uh, that uh, our our education system uh, started pushing words and language and verbiage to whitewash what was happening instead of being honest about the fact uh, that our schools and our kids are in a world of hurt that's not gonna go away. We know from Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans saw a 10-year, decade-long recovery process in just the learning of students. There is a lost generation of learning that's coming out of COVID, and we either say it's happening and we deal with it, or we keep ignoring it and finding different words to cushion the impact of what happened. And at some point, those who were for masks and school closures and those who aren't are gonna to have to be working together over the next few years to solve what happened. No matter whether you agree with it or not, the pragmatic impacts are there. That's the, that's the funny thing about this thing we call life. It does what it does and you adapt. And you, you, at the end of the day, you know whether you were right or wrong, sometimes after the fact. But my hope is that this is a space where the politics are pulled out and we just say simply, what the heck happened with our kids, good and bad? And if it's bad, how do we solve it? It's what we hoped to do here today by talking to experts who didn't have a political angle on a topic that has been politicized. But we're talking about real kids and real families and real schools and figuring out what the impact was. But I think it's time to be honest with ourselves about what has happened the last two years. When we come back from a short break, our fourth segment is going to be with Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country. From his perch in Southern California, his national platform, will talk about some national issues. He's our guy to help us make sense in national. We focus on local here and state on the program when we, uh, when we uh, dabble in the national. It's with Ruben Navarrete, who's been watching things for a really long time. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point, AM 1030, KVY The Voice.
2: National politics, the issues that matter to you. 1030 The Voice, Tucson's trusted
0: local news and talk. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order.
1: Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting ahead world to improving their life in our region.
0: Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys. If you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. In 2021, FC Tucson
2: was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
0: This is Bill
4: Buckmaster, the Reed Park Zoo update, coming up at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: Back Tucson, also in Arizona, here at the Common Workspace Studios for Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. You're down the center, down the middle. Try to call it as it is on any side, on whatever issue, whenever it happens. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. We talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future because our community uh, is too special. Uh, to, uh, to not talk about the issues that matter in a, in, in the right way. The segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger opening downtown on, on October 20th last year. So they're a few months in. They're serving up the juiciest burgers, little hot dogs, so ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and Next time you go, mention that you heard about them here on this show with me, Zach Yenser, for a 1515 percent discount on your next meal. I will be heading there later this week, and I'm going fi- to I'm going to see if uh, if I can get my own Rogers rate, uh, as Matt Neely says. So looking looking forward to that. Uh, check it out, uh, Little Love Burger, a few doors down. Uh, from the Rialto Theater. Uh, we were having a conversation with trauma specialist, uh, Reverend Dr. DeMond Holt, pastor of a church here in Tucson. His PhD uh, is in trauma. We've been talking about different layers of Uh, trauma of the last couple years, what it means for our families, our kids, uh, even issues like next week of human trafficking, you can check it out on the podcast. But I wanna zoom out a little bit now uh, with our current guest, Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, host of Ruben in the Center. Uh, It is what it sounds like it is, a great podcast if you haven't checked it out yet. Uh, You've probably seen Ruben on Daily Beast, uh, Washington Post, Fox News, CNN over the years. He's kind of been everywhere. Ruben, good morning to you. Thanks, as always, for being on.
4: Zach, great to be back with you, thank you.
0: So a couple of things I wanna chat with you about from your perch uh, in Southern California looking at national issues. One is you've uh, written recently about how you think President Joe Biden should address the nation at his upcoming State of the uh, State of the Union. And I wanted to ask you about this, uh, particularly on the economy, uh, even though there are some elements of the economy that are really strong, the challenge for the Biden administration, I think, is that the normal Joe and Jane just aren't feeling it. Uh, Inflation is the highest it's been since 1982. uh, And in recent polling, whether it is CNN, Politico, Economist, Fox News, NBC, Uh, NBC actually has a higher disapproval rate from their poll than even Fox News. Sixty percent of Americans disapprove of President Joe Biden on the economy. Should he ignore this issue? Should he talk about it? Should he go all in and address it? Where does he go in the next couple weeks?
4: You know, obviously he can't ignore it, but he can't. He has to learn how to talk about it. He has to talk about it in the right way. You know, this started because David Axelrod, who was the uh, one of the chief advisors to Barack Obama. Um, wrote a piece in the New York Times saying that this was the time for Joe Biden to show in State of the Union some humility, because as you said, all these things are weighing on the public's mind, economic pressures and the like, inflation. And so what Axelrod says is you want to don't do a victory lap and talk about all the things you're doing well and great like presidents normally do during a State of the Union address. Instead, you want to show some empathy for, for what people are going through and be humble. And I thought to myself, that's probably probably the wrong message. It's precisely the wrong advice by 180 degrees. This is an FDR moment. Uh, yes, it's true that sometimes uh, people want from their leaders empathy, but they also, more than that, want their leaders to lead and they want the leaders to be strong, resolute, and to inspire. So during the Great Depression, FDR could have said, even though he was from a moneyed class, he could have said to the people of West Virginia and other struggling regions gee things are hard 25 percent unemployment inflation bread lines and and just you know things are really horrible let's be humble instead he said you know you have nothing to fear but fear itself what ultimately what presidents are supposed to do is lead and go against the current not with the current and that i that is i think what biden needs to do he doesn't have to go up there and brag about his accomplishments but man give us some hope and optimism, okay? Let's shelve the empathy. We know you're an empathetic person. Uh, So I think Axelrod was wrong, and I think the correct message is to be hopeful and confident and really try to get people, you know, up and out.
0: Do you think the same would apply to some of the international issues? It's so interesting, Ruben, because we're certainly focused as we head to our own midterms here, as we're heading towards our primary races, wrapping up on congressional and gubernatorial. There's a lot of focus locally, whether it's schools or economy or whatever the case may be. Uh, But but President Biden has had a number already in just a year and change, a number of international uh, issues and controversies that he's had to manage Uh, do you think the American people are starting to pay more attention to Ukraine and Russia and that, 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 uh, that, that theater, um, or are we kind of more focused uh, locally at this point?
4: Oh, that's a good question. I, I hear about Ukraine and Russia from my neighbors, from people at the grocery store, from folks who I, they have tuned into this, I think, for three reasons. Uh, You have, if you pay attention to this story for no more than 30 minutes, Zach, you understand uh, that we're teetering on the brink of another European-based world war. And the fact that we have been here twice before, we are naturally going to take very seriously happenings in Europe, where this morning I heard the French could be sending troops and and then you have germany's involvement and you have the uk and so we are it it rings to us in a familiar way as a european starting base for a world war and beyond that the fact that you have the united states um sending even a small number of troops anytime you end up with u.s troops and russia russian troops in close proximity to one another accidents happen bad things happen and it takes You know, just one or two casualties, even accidental casualties before where the two major superpowers are facing off against each other. And then I think people are also very interested in the intrigue of what Putin will do or not do. Uh, I was listening to a podcast on NPR and the whole thing was about Putin. I would not normally, Zach, have listened to 30 minutes about Vladimir Putin. (laughs) Now I know that after he went to law school, he was recruited into KGB. I I knew he was KGB. I didn't know he'd gone to law school. So the fact that he's a fascinating person, I think, gets people tuned into this. To your bigger point, though, uh, we've learned that just because you're the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, that doesn't mean anything. You don't necessarily learn anything about foreign policy being the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, because Joe Biden is most certainly in over his head, and his foreign policy team seems to be stuck in reactive mode.
0: We're with Ruben Navarrete, one of the most widely read Latino economists in the country. Ruben, in the center is his podcast. He publishes across Washington Post, Daily Beast, and more on a weekly basis. Uh, Ruben, I know this happened just yesterday, but I wonder if you have any thoughts as you've woken up this morning to review it. Uh, And this is in uh, your state. Three San Francisco school board members were removed Uh, last night, Tuesday. Uh, I think in San Francisco, I think the number that I saw from someone, from a friend who's been watching this pretty closely is 8% Republican. So this was not, you know, a Republican versus Democrat thing. This was Democrat versus Democrats in San Francisco. Three board members. Some of them were voted out by 70% voter support of the recall. The mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, was in support of the recall. Uh, And again, this all comes from the school district in San Francisco, you know, they were uh, one of the slowest to return back to in-person learning. While kids were away, they were renaming schools. This is weird to me, Ruben, because this fits into the midterm narrative, but this is not Republican-driven, this is Democratic-driven. Help me make sense of what's going on here and if it matters outside of San Francisco at all.
4: Yeah, it really does because, You can draw a really straight line between uh, San Francisco and the state of Virginia, where Glenn Youngkin, 3,000 miles away, used education as an issue to get elected governor. And I think what you see in San Francisco with this story is, yes, it is progressive versus progressive Democrats shooting at one another because um, we have learned that parents, particularly in the pandemic, they care about education much more than they thought they did. They realize that the public schools cannot be trusted, just left on autopilot. I'll go to work and pay my taxes, and I'll send my kid to school, and you guys figure it out. And that cuts across lines. It's blue and red, it's Democrat and Republican. It doesn't matter whether you're conservative or a liberal, parents care about their kids. And they did see that these three individuals um, on the progressive left were tone deaf. And as you said, (laughs) we're debating about, we're basically renaming schools, you know, for, for important civil rights figures, uh, at a time where parents wanted to know, are you going to be able to open up the schools again? And uh, can my kid go back to school? Do they have to wear a mask? Let's talk about vaccine policies. So they were way out of step with this. And I, I just think it's really very important because it tells us that education is a top issue. It tells us that uh, party lines don't matter so much when it comes to parenting and they're concerned over the kid's education. And lastly, Zach, it tells me something else. It tells me that every politician should know that you can push things too far. I tell my teenagers all the time, I'm gonna give you a lot of leeway, okay? I'm not as strict with you as my parents were with me, but you can push it too far. And then I take the car keys away. And what happens in San Francisco and what happens sometimes with right-wing Republicans in states like Texas is they push it too far. And when they push it too far, the voters take the keys to the car away.
0: It was so interesting, Ruben, to, to read statements from Mayor London Breed of San Francisco, a staunch Democrat, Uh, saying San Francisco is a city that believes in the value of big ideas but those ideas must be built on the foundation of a government that does the essentials well Um, and well said Ruben as you're listening to parents there in your state of California um, what what were the Democratic parents the 70% of Democratic voters who voted these folks out what were their concerns I would imagine Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I imagine. What were the issues? Was it school closures? Was it renaming the schools? What were the issues that parents had?
4: Well, look, I think what you're hearing now, this week has been an interesting week, Zach, you know, for this this debate, because in California, you have a couple things going on at once. You had the Super Bowl, where thousands of people showed up to uh, SoFi Stadium, not just in the sweet boxes, not just, this this is about LeBron James up in the private suite, it was the people in the stands who did not wear masks, who had a mask requirement and flouted it. Yeah. And then the very next day, Monday, kids all went back to school, and in school they have to wear their mask all the way through class. Those two things happening within a 24-hour period really lit things on fire in terms of, of saying that just as California is easing up now on its mask requirements for restaurants, adults no longer have to wear masks in restaurants kids still have to wear masks in schools it's just too much happening at the same time and i think people's heads are spinning in terms of gee whiz if the kid is in class he's wearing a cloth a cloth mask you've already said that cloth ma- cloth masks don't work why are we doing this again explain this right mm. it's not very logical and i think that that's part of what played into um what's happening in san francisco because it sounds like the school board members said you know what This stuff that I have to deal with in terms of masks, vaccines, school closures, that's just too messy and complicated. Instead, I'm going to go over here and rename a school. That's easy. And the voters weren't having it. They just were not having it. They just felt like, regardless of party strike, progressive, liberal, whatever it is, do your job. You know, you want to run for school board, so do the tough things that are required when you sit on a school board. And that's true in Tucson, San Francisco, or Boston, or wherever
0: yeah so so interesting you know i mean i think you know the republican party is definitely tapping into this issue in a political way ahead of the midterms but again ruben it's when 70 percent of democratic voters go this direction that makes me go what's happening here there's something that is truly underlying and so thanks for addressing that ruben i gotta let you go unfortunately where can people read your work this week so the
4: podcast is ruben in the center you can find it itunes spotify everywhere uh, and also, RubenAbretha.com. Just follow the, uh, the hand grenades that tend to come at me from both sides.
0: They do. I don't know how you do it, but, uh, well, I do know how you do it. You're down the center, that's what happens, and uh, uh, we get on this show too. Ruben, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Zach. When we come back tomorrow, we'll continue talking about the issues with you. Hugh Hewitt up next bill buckmaster at noon as always tucson stay safe out there stay warm don't get too wet in this beautiful rainy day thanks for listening this is
2: hugh hewitt coming up it's the hugh hewitt show on 10:30 30 kvoi cortero tucson the voice online at kvoi.com <phone rings> This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Steve Kathan. The U.S. and NATO say there's no evidence
4: Russia's de-escalating.